Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 146. This episode is sponsored by the fine folks at Lee's Comics. Friends, have you tried Lee's Comics? Lee's Comics is better than the leading comic book store. Wait a minute. Lee's Comics is the leading comic book store. Based on arbitrary standards set by Lee Hester himself. Lee's Comics eBay store is still going strong with over 10,000 vintage comics, the majority of which are now on sale. For half off, choose from Lee's huge stock of golden, silver, bronze, and modern age comics, and specializing in Silver Age Marvel titles. You can count on friendly service, accurate grading, and quick, secure shipping backed by a money-back guarantee. To check out Lee's eBay store, go to eBay. Click Advanced Search to the left of the search bar, scroll down to Sellers, and enter Lee's Comics, Inc., period. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Lee's Comics is shipping daily with no delays. New items daily. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast and get a free bonus gift. You remember them from your childhood. Half for the friendly ghost, Richie Rich, Hot Stuff, Baby Huey, Sad Sack, and Little Audrey. You read them in comic books and saw them on television and in the movies. Now you can read about how they and other Harvey comic characters were created in two great books from Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. The Best of Harvey Dale Fun Times and the Harvey Comic Companion. Both are available from Amazon. The Companion is also available from Bear Manor Media. They are available in hardcover, paperback, and ebook version. Order your copies today. Long title, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Song One by One, by Michael Aventrella and Mark Arnold. A book that examines each song, gives lots of details about each song, and our own personal opinions. You can find this book on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and anywhere where good books are being sold. Our webpage is wordpress.monkeys.com, where you can see many of the songs and give your own opinions of them. And we will be discussing this more on Zilch. Christmas, Christmas time is here, and Alvin and the Chipmunks are here again. In 1958, a down on his songwriter with an unlikely name of Ross Bagdasarian plunged the last of his family savings on a multi-seat tape recorded and created The Witch Doctor and Alvin and the Chipmunks. It changed the fortunes for his family, his record label, and animated cartoon studio. Alvin! The story of Ross Bagdasarian, Liberty Records, Format Film, and The Alvin Show by Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions is available from Amazon and Fair Manor Media in hardcover, paperback, and ebook version. Order your copy today. You can now order my latest book, The TTV Scrapbook, from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Bear Manor Media. If you'd like signed copies of this or any of my books, 
please email me at funideas.mark at gmail.com for further information on how to order directly from me via PayPal. I'm currently working on a Dino Writers article for Back Issue Magazine and, of course, the Mad and Turtles books. My next book should be the Pac-Man book I turned in earlier this year. It should be out sometime in 2022. On today's show, we feature a man who has performed with the Turtles, but he's best known for his tenure with the Cars. We also have a returning guest who has brought him to us, and here they are, Charles F. Rosney, who has brought us the legendary Greg Hawks. Hi, this is Mark Arnold at Fun Ideas Podcast, and today we have a special guest from the Cars, Greg Hawks, and also with us is Charles Rosney, who has brought uh, Greg to us today. How are you? How is everybody? <laughs> Hi, Greg. Uh, good, good, thanks. This is Greg, thanks. Nice to be here. Good to meet you, too. Um, we brought you on here to talk about uh, the turtles of all things, but at the same time, we're going to talk about your career and different things that you've done. Uh, I have a few questions, so uh, we'll just start off the way I usually start off is tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got interested in music. Let's see. I got interested in music uh, really directly from hearing the Beatles in uh in 1964 when i was 11 years old at the time and uh it was when i it was like when i first heard i want to hold your hand on the radio it was like you know <laughs> the, the light bulb moment you know and it's like uh it was it was a a, a life-changing uh event <laughs> and were, were you already uh, uh, interested in music prior to that? Like, well, you play well, like you know, everything, I, which we'll kind of go into every type of instrument. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, I had taken piano lessons some. I was playing clarinet in the school band, but I I, I didn't think of it of it as anything beyond that, frankly, until until the Beatles and and I was just at the age what well, I, I was like eleven. So I had gotten a transistor radio. I was just starting to explore, like, uh, uh, you know, like teenage music, and and you know, and I'd listen at night, and and I was listening for a couple of months, you know, just sort of, you know, seeing what was, uh, you know, out there, and then all of a sudden the Beatles came on, and it's like, wow. Uh, and it just it just didn't sound like anything else to me, and it's like wow. And uh, it really was sort of from then on. It was like wow, I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so how how long after that epiphany <laughs> uh, did you join like a, a rock and roll type band? Uh, it, you know, a, ma a matter of months. I, I got a, a, an electric guitar, uh, an airline guitar from Montgomery Wards. And uh, it, it was like that, this funny model that had the amp built into the case. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I'd only had it two or three weeks before uh, I joined a band, uh, so, you know. <laughs> and... Uh, they must have been pretty hard up for personnel because I, I, I you know, I was, I was just a, a mere beginner. But I kind of started off playing. They didn't have a bass player. So I 
sort of played single note low parts on the guitar to as you know as maybe what a bass what the bass part might have been was that in the Boston area that we were in Boston? Uh, no, no, that was in uh, Maryland. I grew up uh, in Maryland, sort of halfway between Washington D.C. and Baltimore, and uh, uh, yeah, that's where I grew up until I I moved to Boston to go to Berkeley Music School uh, out of uh, right out of high school. So that would have been. Uh, the fall of 1970. I graduated high school in 1970, and and uh, I've been in the Boston area ever since. You know, I want to tell. I want to share share something with Mark that um, I didn't know at the time, but was we you've been to one of my Beatles conventions as a special guest, and. Yeah, yeah. We've been. I'd like to think we've been friends for a few years now, but yeah, yeah. we. But we actually met without me ever knowing it in 1980, because you attended the Boston Beatles convention, and wow. it was at the Bradford Hotel. Yeah, and yeah. I believe I believe you went with Elliot Easton, and and the only reason I knew this was because um, I was managing this teenage new wave band called the Excerpts at the time. And Dean Falcone, a dear, who's still a dear friend of mine, was one of the members of the band. And what? they saw you there. They got your autograph. They, they worshipped the cars. And it was like, Charles, you know the cars are here. They're at the convention. And I go, I, I don't see how. How could they bring cars into the Bradford Hotel? <laughs> I didn't, you know, there was so much going on. It was just yeah. after John, John had passed. And we had the convention. And then it all sunk in. And, you know, I, I think we shook hands. And I think we met. But I'm not sure. But uh, uh, that that was such an well, honor. I, I know Dean Falcone. Yeah, Dean Falcone's yeah. a great yeah. bass player and, yeah, yeah. And, and great musician. <laughs> so the, you know, it's funny that Kismet brought the, us all together through the Beatles at a Beatles convention, and you know, we whether we met or not, I'm really not sure. But I was so honored to know that you did attend one of my shows as a fan. I mean, yeah, not, yeah. <laughs> not as a yeah. special guest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a Cars story. When when the Cars first started making you know money, uh, when we were go on that first couple of tours, Elliot and I in particular uh, would would go to the record stores to like redo our Beatles collections. Because, you know, mine were all scratched up and stuff from the ones I had from, you know, from my beat, Meet the Beatles for, you know, from when I was sure. a lot, you know, so and, and we started buying like Japanese import versions when we could and, you know, just off, you know, you know tried to up, upgrade our collection. But but also speaking of like kind of small world and and, and a funny uh like coincidences when I did move up to Boston the first concert that I went to was at the Boston Tea Party and it was uh the mothers of invention with Mark and Howard with oh, and, and with playing with Frank Zappa and right. uh, uh uh Jeff Simmons was in the band playing bass He's the same guy that sang Lucy as Miss Man on, on wow. one of the uh, 
and and uh, uh, Ainsley Dunbar on drums, and and I'm pretty sure George Duke on electric piano. Yeah. Whoa. That sounds like the lineup then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from like 70 to 72, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never knowing that eventually you would be a turtle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No idea, no idea. <laughs> now, another connection. Well, actually, let me tell my other story since we're talking about meeting. I haven't met any of the cars any before, but in junior high and high school, um, this is late 70s, early 80s, when you were at your biggest hit, phase with the cars i was a huge huge beatles fan and my f- closest friends were huge huge cars fans now i didn't dislike the cars but they were like why are you listening to that old stuff you have to listen to the cars there's where it's at and i had no idea you were such a fan had i known that i'd say hey you know it's like if there weren't for the beatles you wouldn't have the cars, you know, but yeah. now I know just that. Listen <laughs> the, just listen to the guitar riffs and Best Friends Girl. <laughs> right. <laughs> of course, oh, you can say that about any group. If it wasn't for the Beatles, we probably wouldn't have anything in rock Yeah, I know. <laughs> to the present. Well, I'm, Mark, I'm going to leave I'm going to leave most of the questions to you, but I want to throw something that to, to Greg which I never told him before is uh, I think I might have been in college radio when um, the first album came out and I remember hearing just what I needed uh, on the radio and the, the beginning was, to, 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 you know, the beginning of it to me was 3D. It wasn't just radio. It came outside the radio. It was such a great sound. And, I, and I'm not sucking up. I'm telling you this because on that, on that listen, I said, my gosh, I always said the Beatles still sound fresh and as great now as they do. And here was another sound that I thought, was replacing the Beatles. Believe it or not, I never told you this. And then when Best Friends Girl came out and other stuff came out, I go, no, wait, I had it all wrong. There's a Beatles influence here. And, you know, and and fortunately, that was a short time that I thought the Beatles were being not replaced, but that the the freshness of the Beatles, I thought, was now being surpassed by another sound. And uh, I, I never shared that with you because for a split second there in time, the cars were like whew, above everything else to me. Yeah, they, they had that lapse there for a little. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I kind of shifting gears, and I'll do that yeah. a little bit. But um, uh-huh. I read this when I, I do a little research, of course, before I do a show. So I'm not just saying cars, 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 and I don't know what else you've done. <laughs> uh, but this is what I want to know about because I'm a huge fan of Martin Mull. You were in Martin Mull and his fabulous furniture in the early 70s? Yes, I was. It would have been <laughs> uh, 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 like, just previous to the cars. Uh, not, uh, there was, it's funny because I had been in a band with both Rick and Ben. It was called Richard and the Rabbits. Let's say that was maybe 1975. So in 1976, I got an offer. Uh, uh, from this guy, Rich Edelman, who played drums with Martin Mall, uh, to go down and Martin wanted to augment his band for a show at uh, at Central Park at the Woman Rink, uh, an outdoor concert. So uh, he hired me and another guy uh, who uh, 
and I played mainly saxophone, uh, but also uh, clarinet, a little flute, a couple, uh, like I played harmonica on one song, and like a little glockenspiel, so, you know, sort of, sort of novelty instruments, and, uh, but it turned into like working, you know, working for him for like a year, uh, and, and uh, it was the first time I was ever uh, paid a salary for being a musician, which was like a big deal for me. It was like, whoa, this is, and, and, but, but then after that year, uh, Martin was getting a divorce. He disbanded his band, moved to Los Angeles to pursue his acting career and sort of within like a, Within a year, he had gotten like a job or, 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 or a part on uh, the Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman show. And that even he, he, you know, eventually spun off to his own. What was it? Fernwood Tonight. Yeah. Fernwood Donnie Tonight. Carson. Yeah. Like, Tonight Show type type show. Mm-hmm. And uh, but uh, so, yeah. But but this directly ties in with Mark and Howard. Yes. <laughs> because we, with Martin, we did a show for PBS in Chicago called Soundstage. And uh, Martin basically wrote the show. And, and so the name of the show was uh, 60 Minutes to Kill. And, uh, you know, he wrote these little commercial parodies and stuff and uh, and invited, you know, Flo and Eddie to be the guests, the guest artists. On the I show. saw that at the time. But and, I had no idea you were in the band. Yeah, yeah. So I'm playing like saxophone and, and I'm, I'm in the band. I've got a mustache. Uh, and... Uh, so yeah that uh, so that's when i met mark and howard and and it's funny i'm trying to think of because then like i said at the end of the year martin let the band go he moved off but that's when uh rick and ben got in touch and said well we're starting a new band and it's called the cars they already had the name. David was the drummer. They Elliot was the guitar player. Uh, they just wanted to uh, replace their their keyboard player, who who had been in Captain Swing, uh, which was their band just previous to the Cars, uh, that also had Elliot and Rick and Ben in it. And uh, so then I I I do oh I I. Wow, I'm trying to remember. Because uh, the Cars played early in Los Angeles. It was either at the either at the Whiskey or the Roxy, one of those two clubs on Sunset Boulevard, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and Mark and Howard both came to the show, and huh. uh, you know, and and came back and 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 you know chatted and stuff and and uh uh and then it seemed like whenever the cars would go out and play in LA uh 
they would come see the show. I remember them coming like for the Candio tour when we played, uh, we played the uh, Universal Amphitheater yeah. Yeah, was like, called at the time. Is it is it still the Gibson Amphitheater now? I don't well, now know. they always put a sponsorship on things. I don't know what the current one is. <laughs> but that's what I think of as the Universal Amphitheater. Right. And uh, and and I read, boy, I remember going out to dinner for Mexican food at La Via Toxco. Uh, <laughs> and and they ordered like these big, you know, pictures of peach margaritas. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> A very good time was had by all, <laughs> and 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 it's and so Mark in particular just sort of made a point of staying in touch, and I'd get a call from him every once in a while, just you know, hi, how you doing? You know, what are you, you know, what are you doing? And uh, uh, if they were like in town, you know, I'd go see them and you know, vice versa and stuff like that. And then uh, it was it was like quite a while after the cars broke up uh, where I hadn't been, I, had, I, I hadn't been performing for a long time. And uh, it was Mark who called me up and sort of said, you know, what are you doing? And so, you know, hanging around. And he's like, well, our keyboard player's leaving and we need somebody, you know. So it's like, oh. Uh, Okay, and and uh, so then he, he uh, you know, my first show was, you know, I was I was thinking like, okay, well, you know, uh, what do I have to do, you know, to how am I gonna, you know, rehearse and stuff? And basically, he, you know, he just sent me the list of songs and said, well, we'll go over them at sound check. <laughs> so yikes. <laughs> So that, that was sort of a trial by fire for me. Plus, it was the first time I had used sort of like rental equipment and, and didn't have my own synthesizers and stuff on hand. It was, uh, so it's like, you know, yeah, we'll just, you know, we'll rent you a couple of things. And, you know, you're lucky if it's the same <laughs> we actually requested. But, you know, but... Uh, but but and then and then I did it for several years for for quite a while, uh, and they're funny. At, at that point, they actually sort of had uh, two different bands working. Uh, I w I was sort of like in the East Coast version of the band, mm -hmm. and uh, so for economy's sake, when they did the West Coast shows, they had a core group of musicians that they used out there. And, uh, you know, saves on transportation and flights and th things like that. So, you know, that, that one thing about Mark and Howard is, is they're, like, practical about stuff like that. <laughs> and, you know, they, 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 they know the business because, you know, they've gotten the business, you know, as they as they explain in that like video where they go through their list of managers oh, yeah. you, uh, <laughs> and, and how each one had sued them and vice versa. And, and uh, but, but I, you know, and the, the way they've navigated their career, I've, I've always admired first, just going from the turtles to the mothers of invention 
is is pretty much of a sharp left hand turn and and then uh you know from having their own radio show to being tv writers and uh so i i you know i've got a, a lot of respect for the two of them and when you or saw any- them way back when did you know they were the same guys in the turtles or did it just dawn on you later oh, like, oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i i knew okay. that from, okay. from, when, from when i first heard uh what was it? The Fillmore uh, uh, album? Yeah, yeah, album. Fillmore '71. Yeah, yeah, when when he's, the, which is I think the first time they were on. And at the end, they do, you know, they're hit with a yeah, ball, yeah, <laughs> which is happy. <laughs> so yeah, but plus they're hard to mistake, you know, when you see them. <laughs> yeah, Mark isn't the typical rock star guy. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. What always fascinated me was the, the, the comedy aspect of the show. There's certain people, Jay Black was one of them. If you went to see his show, you knew you were getting a great voice, but you're also going to be entertained, Bette Midler. You know, there's comedy along with the, with the music, and I always love that. Um, was there uh, anyone else in the East Coast Turtles touring band that we knew? Was it, was it, a, or were the, was it a regular uh, ensemble that would be at every yeah, show? Yeah. Yeah, the drummer was was always Joe Stefko, who uh, oh. uh, has played with them for a long time. Forever, uh, sure. For forever, uh, years before me, and and before them, I think he was in Meatloaf's band. That's the right. Outdoor and stuff, uh, and and uh, Don Don Kesselbach on bass was was always the bass player too. Uh, he played with Rick Derringer, but he's also been with Mark and Howard for years. You know, I, mm-hmm. you, you know, maybe as long as Joe Stefko, uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure for, for a long time anyway, years before I entered the picture. And, did you play any of those bottom line shows that they did like for New Year's? No, no, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was, I was after that period. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, no, we did a lot of the, uh, 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 the sort of package shows with other sixties acts, like either with, uh, with Mark Lindsay, sometimes with Paul Revere, uh, sometimes with Peter Noon, say, uh, and and then and then we they also would do like a, a, their own shows you know at small theaters and 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 you know like a ninety minute show and go through the whole history and uh, you know and of course they would do comedy bits in between you know the the hits. And things but but you know we would play we would play a couple of frank zappa songs we played like a little snippet of peaches and regalia and we played magic fingers uh open up your pocketbook get another quarter and i'll drop it in and i mean remember turn me up it's uh uh, now, were you a big fan? Of, I guess you did. Yeah, yeah Zappa, two hundred yeah, bucks and everything. Yeah, so, was, yeah that's where I that's was. from. So, yeah, <laughs> I was, a, I was a, a fan of the Mothers of Invention. Previously, uh, mm-hmm. he was a big influence on me. 
at, at that time, probably like second to the Beatles, uh, mm. the whole like orchestrated, you know, the, the, for me, the era of like hot rats, uh, burnt weenie sandwich, uncle meat, lumpy gravy, uh, those, those albums in particular, uh, where, you know, it, the classical music was combined with little snippets of doo-wop music into like, you know, weird kind of psychedelic sort of jams and, and then just sort of bizarre, you know, music concrete, so to speak. <laughs> Now, were you a fan of the Turtles back in the day, other than the, I just the hits? I liked yeah. them, and, and I did, I, you know, I, I, uh, I grew to appreciate them more as time passed on. And then once I really went back and, like, studied their repertoire, when I knew I was going to be, uh, you know, learning a lot of the songs, uh, then I really, like, grew to appreciate things that, Oh yeah, that was really good and stuff like the Battle of the Bands album, uh, and 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 uh, you know the early stuff too. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, was I, any of that I, stuff I, difficult to learn? Or now, see, just... they they should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we talk about that a lot on this show. <laughs> Monkeys too, and other stuff. You know. But, yeah, the... Yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> The three that I go with are the Turtles, the Monkeys, and the Raiders. And I always uh -huh. felt, you know, Raiders and Turtles in that they played all their own material and, uh -huh. you know, they, they toured with their own, you know, with their, with their own groups, you know. And uh, you know, who knows, maybe someday. There's a yeah, big list. Yeah. There's, there's a Especially big list. Of like Paul and the Monkeys. I mean, they were like the first kind of like TV bands, too. I mean, you know, obviously the monkeys were put together for the show, but Paul Revere and the Raiders were so like recognizable from uh, the Dick Clark uh, show. Where the, the, where the action is. You know, where the action is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. What are those guys? <laughs> so, um, you. you I, when when did you join up with the Turtles or Flo and Eddie? Was, you said it was after the Cars first oh, yeah. time. So it, it, is it like uh, late 80s, early 90s? Is that, no, or really, later than that? Yeah, like, mid, uh, like 2004, 2005. Okay, because I have an end date. I didn't have a start date. It said that you it ended around 2010. And uh, was that... Okay. Was that your choice, or was that their choice, or did it just kind of? <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, it's. Uh... Or were the cars coming back at that point? <laughs> I'm getting all mixed up. Already. Well, see, the cars might have been coming back at that point to do that one that, that moved like this record, and because uh, that came out in 2011, we recorded yeah. okay. it. Okay, basically 2010. So yeah, yeah, and. and and also, they they it they sort of started getting to the point where they really only did the happy together tours during the summer, yeah. and I was never in the band for any of those happy together shows. Uh, I just did the shows when they had their own shows. I did, and now one of the reasons why is is if you were in the band. The, the, the Happy Together tours had a core band, 
right. that basically backed up all the other acts. You know, if Mark Lindsay came out, you would play the his songs. If you know the whoever else, Gary Puckett, Buckingham's, whoever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Buckingham's might have been a little more self-contained. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, but you know, yeah. so right. and, and and yeah, actually, I I come to think of it, I was never asked to do one of those tours, <laughs> but uh, I'm not sure I would have. Well, I, I interviewed Godfrey Townsend, Charles yeah. Gutmingham, for the show, yeah. and he was on the Happy Together tours, and he didn't do the individual Flo and Eddie uh, Turtles concerts like you did. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, and he said, yeah, I'm in the core band, and yeah, we're playing for the Mamas and the Papas. Okay, yeah. now we're playing for the Turtles. Okay, now we're was... playing for uh, the Cow Cells. You know, it's like they just kept playing throughout the night, you know, every yeah. band, you know, so. yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think he was re- he was was really like the musical director of the band. Yeah, but uh, that's one thing with the Turtles you were talking about when I was uh, working with them. Uh, I mentioned Joe Stefko, Don Kesselback on bass, and and then uh, the guitar players. We had a couple different ones. Uh, they they weren't they would uh, mix and match. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a guy, Tristan, a Canadian guy for a while. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, and then Godfrey did do some shows. Okay. He did some. Uh, uh, he did some fill-ins for some of the other guitar yeah. players. And then, sort of by the end, he was probably more or less. He probably was the regular guitar player. But that's kind of when they just stopped doing. You know, or or pretty much exclusively did the Happy Together tours. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, probably talk more about the turtles, but of course you're here, and I want to talk to you about the cars too. <laughs> so, okay. uh, I'm sure you've been asked all these questions a zillion times, but you know, it's like um, I'll try to ask different types of questions. I mean, you you kind of said how it formed and everything. Um, I guess the question is, you know, that first album was kind of the equivalent of a Meet the Beatles, just the cars, you know, and like every song's a hit and just with boom on the radio. I remember it very well, you know, and it's like, was that expected or is that uh, just a fluke, you know, in your it was mind? Just, it was a total fluke, hmm. but it was, it was somebody had the good idea of putting Roy Thomas Baker together with the cars. Hmm. And, and, and the, I mean, we, we got to go to London to record our first album uh, at Roy's suggestion. And we like, you know, rented a townhouse. It was like, uh, it was on, you know, it was like for us, our version of help where the, where, where the Beatles all had, you know, this, they all went in separate doors, but then they had this one big common apartment. And and we all stayed in this townhouse in London and uh uh and and uh recorded it at Air Studios, which was George Martin's studio. And uh you know, so it, you know, we were like super excited, got to meet George Martin, you know, he came by, you know, how's how's things going? Uh <laughs> And, and uh, you know, but, you know, I, 
I had no no idea. You know, we figured it would be at least like a regional hit because we'd already sort of had um, a regional hit with just what I needed with with the demo tape version mm-hmm. had gotten a lot of radio play. That and You're All I've Got Tonight was was the other song that got a fair amount of play, but mainly just what I needed. In fact, we we all expected that that would be the opening track on the album, you know, because it's got that. It's like, you know, hey, great, great album opener, you know, but it was like Roy was, oh, you know, good times roll. And and uh, and then when we were starting to, you know, put things in order, it's like good times roll. Then best friends girl. Then just rain. You know, it's like wow. It's not. You know, what do you mean? It's third. It's because <laughs> we thought that was. You know, that was so like you, the song. So you guys thought you were just going to be the stompers, and then all of a sudden you. <laughs> well, yeah, but it took a while. I, I mean, it 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 it. We started getting a lot of airplay in New York right away, Boston. So the East Coast, and then. Shortly thereafter, in LA, we started getting a lot of airplay, and and you know we probably went out there, like to do those like, either Roxy or Whiskey, you know, first pretty small club, you know, shows, but little showcase shows, and uh, but it took about a year really for it to sort of make its way around the country, yeah. uh, and and it. You know, it was sort of a long time. So I think a lot of uh, people were still start, starting to pick up on it by the time the second album, Candio, came yeah. out. My mem- if memory serves, yeah, it was like those two, uh, Cars and Candio, were just like, boom, omnipresent. We're talking like 78, 79, just, you know. <laughs> I, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, so, uh-huh. um, you know. We probably got everything a little bit after L.A. That's typically what happened. Unless if you were San Francisco based, it might have been different. But because you come from the East Coast, it's like it goes across the country and then goes down to L.A. And then it comes up the coast. <laughs> that's kind of how things go. <laughs> I remember when the Cars first played it in San Francisco. And I think it was at the Mabuhe, uh, the Mabuhe Club or something. I'm sure. But... but Neil Young came to see us, mm, and okay. uh, 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 Paul Kantner from Jefferson yep. Airplane. Yep, so, yep. Wow. They're typically wow. around here. <laughs> well, I'm in Oregon right. now, but uh, yeah. <laughs> For us, it was a big deal. Yeah, wow. sure. These guys Greg, are... the, the first time I saw the cars was at the Yale Bowl. There was about 55,000 people, and I think you opened for the Eagles. Does that the make sense? boys? The Beach, Beach Boys, Boys, Beach Boys, Beach Boys. And, and, and was, I thought it was a weird combining until I saw the show. But what I, what I remembered about the cars was you guys were note perfect. Uh-huh. And, and, and I, it was like you, you, I, there was no extra chords. There was no extra guitar leads going on. It was the songs and then the next song. And it was, yeah. you know, this, it's just when you always go to shows and you say, can't they just play it like the album? You did. Yeah. <laughs> was, it was the Beach Boys. Absolutely right. It was the same summer as Eagles, but it was the Beach Boys. And there might have been someone else who opened for you. Um, but I, I, I'll tell you, I left after the first Beach Boys song because I felt, wow, I, I saw the, the show I wanted to see with the cars. 
and no just you know no discredit to the beach boys because i've seen them a thousand times before and after but yeah that was a pretty special yeah wow yeah i now, remember at the time when you were the biggest at that starting point the other big band was the knack and they kept saying oh, yeah. oh the knack's gonna be the new beatles but then they really just yeah. had one album and the other two kind of sank and everything but you guys kept going at the cars but was there like this competitiveness with Groups like it, that, it, or there, you just kind of ignored it? There was. Them? There was. Okay. Uh, uh, I mean, it, it, I know that it, it used to irk Rick <laughs> because because it was like the, the Get the Knack, I forget. They were like number one. And I think Candio might have been number two album. And, and we just couldn't like, you know, they, they wouldn't give it up. They just stayed in number one like for that whole time. Hmm. Now on that so, second album, Candio, you got uh, Vargas to do a cover, and wasn't he retired? How did that come about? I think so. It was David Robinson, our drummer. Oh, okay. It, it, yeah, he was, it was his, yeah, his project. He he, you know, he was the the de facto art director for the Cars albums, and uh, uh, he, I guess, also had sort of like a. A, a collection of pinup style art and and so somehow tracked down Alberto Vargas to see if he could you know see if he could uh get him to you know do an illustration for the Albert memorable cover Did, didn't, didn't hurt sales that's for yeah. sure I'd say uh, most of the cars albums are really top-notch you know Robinson did a great job you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 he did. He did. Um, was it difficult to do the typical sophomore slump album as it were? I mean, was it, or did you have enough left over from the cars that Candio was easy? Candio was pretty easy, I okay. thought. Uh, we, we, we still had some things. I know we had just, like, Night Spots, for instance, which was on Candio. We even started a version of it when we were working on the first album uh but it was never finished and and it was just we had just kind of started it and nothing ever became of it but somewhere there is like an unfinished version of night spots left over from the first album uh and what else was on that record uh Let's go in that. There's dangerous type and oh, <laughs> oh, and that's the one with Shooby Doo and stuff on it. Shooby Doo, right? <laughs> double double life Shooby Doo into Candio and yeah, yeah, yeah. the title that track. Little, uh, that little. So yeah, that was one of the first, at least for the cars, more you know electronicy like little funny things. The Shooby Doo uh, was was that. Uh, how involved did you get? I mean, I, you, I, I guess you uh, got like all the latest computer equipment to do all those synthesizers and sounds yeah, and stuff I like was, that I as much as you could. I was pretty into the synths at the time, and I was always into like the new, you know, the new drum machine or something coming out, or the new like sequencer or okay. synthesizer or vocoder. Because <laughs> uh, that's I what I liked on that album was. I called it a vocoder for years, but it's really a vocoder. It's like code, <laughs> not, the, not the cord. 
That, that's the part I really like on that album. It's just the Let's Go opening is a bow, bow, bow. Oh, <laughs> you know, I don't know how you do that. But yeah. yeah, it's 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 like one of the synth sounds, and it was, uh, yeah, one of the Prophet Five. Yeah. <laughs> one of the Prophet now, original preset sounds, more or less, more or less. I messed around with it a little bit, but now a lot of people think the third album is not. Height is good. What's your take on it? Was it difficult to do the third album, Panorama? Or yeah, way I I I like the Panorama album. It, it, it was more in the direction of like Shooby Doo and more electronic and more yeah. drum machine stuff. Uh, it it was uh, it, yeah, I I liked it uh, at the time. I thought, wow, this is this is really really good, and you know, this is. You know, I like the whole change in direction. In in retrospect, uh, my favorite Cars album is the first one. Yeah. I've I've, I've referred reverted <laughs> back, back to that. There's and I, and I agree. There's something something uh, just something about it. It's, yeah. Do you have a favorite car song? Uh, maybe just what I needed. That one often springs to mind just because it was the first and there's something unique about it. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, the, the first time I even heard uh, Rick play me a cassette of it or something like that. Wow, that song could be a hit. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, wow, this is, that's, you know, what a good song. Do you have a favorite Turtle song? Uh, uh, I mean, I love Happy Together, but I love Eleanor. Uh, uh, boy, she'd rather be with me. Uh, you, baby. Uh, you, baby. Right. Yeah, yeah. You showed me. <laughs> oh, you showed me. Oh, that's great. Uh, were, there, were there any of those songs that? that you dreaded playing or any of that? Oh, I can't wait to play. Was there? Uh, no, I always like those. No, none that I dreaded. Mm. I can't think of any. Uh, yeah, no, they were, they were, they were fun shows to do. And, and they were also, uh, I, I mean, like I talked before about how, you know, for rehearsal, Mark said, well, we'll have sound check, <laughs> you know, so that's, that's the rehearsal. But, but then even it got so that it's sound check, uh, you know, you go up and make sure all the instruments are working. Then you go into a song and, and, uh, you know, it'll be like, imagine me and you, I do, I think about you. And then Howard will okay, we'll go, okay, okay. We don't want to over rehearse. And then, <laughs> You know, he'll just do like a couple lines of the song. And then, okay, that's it. You got it? You know, it's like, we're not going to do the whole song, you know. We're... And, and he even talked about how he didn't like being over-rehearsed because yeah. he liked sort of having a little bit of an edge to the show where you, where, you know, it's not, you don't necessarily expect the same thing every night. Uh, and and if 
you know, you just said, uh, I don't, you know, and, and I, and I can appreciate that. So now, uh, now not, not having seen the cars in clubs, um, I saw them obviously at Yale Bowl. I saw them, you know, at, at showcase shows. Um, was th- was it ever loosey goosey? Because you're describing the turtles as you never know what's going to happen, and you know, right. yeah, under rehearsed. With the cars, right. it seemed very rehearsed and very precise. But yeah. was that was that a specific time, or were there other, uh, you know? You know, it was sort of. It sort of became that once we started tour. In the clubs, like the year before, or a year and a half before, it it was looser because we didn't, we hadn't quite refined it. You know, it's a little bit like self-editing, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 we would do. We did have this one song, "Take What You Want," which was sort of like our jam song, and that's the one where uh, we would play it sometimes if we just needed the show to go on for a little or the set to go on for a little longer and elliot would play you know a six seven minute eight minute guitar solo thing <laughs> and, and uh and we used to do that a lot sort of the first year but but once we started doing uh well well the first year of touring was sort of we would either be opening for other acts like we opened for Foreigner for a little bit. Who else uh, did we open for? Didn't you open for the Rolling Stones briefly on one? No. Oh, okay. I thought you did. Never did. Not everybody. We we (laughs) opened for the Kinks. Not not too many shows with them. Who else? Man, I'm drawing a blank right now. I don't know. Did the cars uh, ever do uh, cover stuff? Did you go out and, and do it? Uh, early on, we did, yeah. And and our strangest one was Give Me Some Kind of Sign by, was it Brent Wood? Sign, give me a sign. <laughs> give me some kind of sign, girl. That, yeah. You don't me. Yeah, yeah, a, an odd, an odd cover. Actually, we used to early on the first year when we played in clubs, we did "Love Is the Drug" by Roxy Music. Uh, we did a version, believe it or not, of "Don't Worry, Baby" by the Beach Boys. Wow, that, that Rick sang. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, what other covers? Uh, we did an Eddie Cochran song that Elliot sang. Uh, 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 something else, something else. Well, here, here comes that girl again. I can't, I don't know the words, but I just remember the. I can, uh, yeah. You and said Elliot had occasional guitar. Oh, go ahead. I have to relearn it again to actually <laughs> remember it. Now you said uh, Elliot got some extended guitar solos at times. Did you get any yeah, extended yeah. keyboard oh, solos, uh, any Inagata yeah, Davidas uh, or something like that for you? <laughs> no, not really. Uh, 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 moving in stereo was kind of like the long keyboard song, but it, yeah. it really wasn't. It, it really, that 
pretty much stuck to the form that's on the record. We really didn't deviate. Uh, the other one that does come to mind is sometimes Elliot uh, might extend the guitar solo in You're Alive, You're All I've Got Tonight. And in fact, that one, we would often close the set with that. So sometimes like at the end, you know, that was one where we would like, you know, sort of extend it and let it let Who's it the bigger on. Beatle? Who's the bigger Beatle fan? You or Elliot? Oh, oh. <laughs> well, well, I'd say we're both equal, but El Elliot probably knows still more trivia than I do. Yeah, but you recorded a Beatles album. I was going to say this man well, a ukulele did. album. <laughs> <laughs> well, is that is that still available, Greg? Is that can people yeah, still? Yeah, I think so. I think you can still get Beatles it. uke <laughs> or uke. I don't know how you pronounce it. Ukulele or ukulele? <laughs> well, I call it uke, but yeah. the Hawaiians call it an uke or ukulele. <laughs> ukulele i mean so they're the more correct yeah. but i mean it's to me uh ook is hawaiian for uke <laughs> <laughs> it's just i don't know i just you know uh, it's just the way i sort of learned it there's I, I can appreciate the ukulele uh so what inspired that know, album or, besides the beatles i mean why do it that way um not on um, keyboards or one of the other instruments you play. Yeah, uh, it, it, it came about because uh, I, I had done just the single, it, it was Eleanor Rigby. I sort of, I was learning ukulele and, and was, you know, heavily interested in it. And, and I just had the thought of, wow, yeah, I should try duplicating you know, like the string arrangement on Eleanor Rigby, except all played on ukuleles. So that's that was what I set out to do. And that's that was sort of, I didn't really envision it beyond that. And I actually played it for Elliot. And he said, oh, there's this guy, uh, uh, James Jensen, who's who's got this like compilation album of... It was like all acoustic, uh, you know, it was all acoustic guitar stuff. But he said, you know, you should send him a copy of it, uh, you know, because it might be, you know, he's, he thought it might fit in with this other thing. <laughs> and, and, so, and so it was used in that compilation. And then he approached me with the idea of doing a whole, you know, CD of it. And, and, and I had been thinking about doing a ukulele-oriented like, project anyway. Hmm. And, and, you know, I had, I had just been thinking about maybe the Eleanor Rigby song, maybe, you know, some original things, compositions, maybe some other, uh, you know, more like like vaudeville type standard songs that you would expect to hear on a ukulele, like, uh, you know, uh, some of those, uh, I don't know, 
pennies from heaven or I can't give you anything for love or, you know, mm-hmm. like a ten, like ten pan alley type stuff. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and his thing was, was, you know, uh, he just liked the approach of having a beat, like one thing. So it's like, well, I, I could do a whole Beatles, you know, uh, collection on, on the, on the ukulele or the multi-tracked ukuleles. It's, it's like my version of a ukulele orchestra because I've got like baritone ukes playing the bass parts and all the different sized ukuleles playing, playing as close to the original r- arrangements really as I could, as I could match on, on four strings. <laughs> so when are we going to hear the, uh, Turtles Uke album or the Monkeys Uke album or, or the Cars Uke album. When the Cars Uke album. Equal, equal to it. You know, <laughs> Just for that leak. Do it like Tiny Tim. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've done, I, I, I do a version of Just What I Needed sometimes. Sometimes I've done like solo Uke shows uh, and and I'll do some car songs and, and I've done I've sort of went through my history and done a couple turtle songs and played, you know, a little bit of just what I needed or, or something else on the uke. And, and, uh, and yeah. And then, and, you know, a couple of the Beatles tracks and, uh, and yeah. (laughs) You've actually worked with an actual real live Beatle. You worked wow. with McCartney on Flowers in the Dirt and Motor of Love. What was that like and what was that about? <laughs> I got a call from Chris Hughes, uh, the producer who worked on that track. He was, he had, uh, he got the job of producing that one song on the Flowers in the Dirt album. Uh, he, I knew Chris Hughes from he was producer on one of Rick Ocasek's solo records, the This Side of Paradise. So I had worked with Chris on that. He knew I was, you know, just from working together and stuff, you know, we talked about the Beatles. He knew I was a big Beatles fan. And so when he got the job to work on this song, he said that when Paul played him the demo of the song, he wanted it to sound a little like Drive by the Cars. So Chris says, well, I know Greg who, you know, played on, who played on, on, on that. So, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, so I went over for like, wow, like two weeks to work on, on the one song. <coughs> and, and, you know, it was like, the thrill of a lifetime because you know i'm still that same 11 year old kid uh, you know going to like going to you know record with paul mccartney and and i was like you know should i even mention the beatles will he not want to talk about it you know what's what you know i don't you know because you know there were there was still some like you know acrimony at the time, you know, between various factions and things. But the the first day I was in the studio when he came in, you know, within 10 minutes, he was just like <laughs> launched into Beatles stories and like, 
you know, was like so entertaining. And, and he, he came in, he had just gotten copies of his, the live Russian album. I think it was called Back in the U.S. Yeah. Or, 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 so he, he had a, an armful of albums uh, that he had just gotten. And the, 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 way, uh, the way his name was spelled in that weird Russian alphabet, it looked like Ron McCaptain. Yeah. So, so he goes, oh, I just got the new Ron McCaptain LP. And, and he, like, gives us each one, you know, and so, oh, Ron McCaptain. And, and, uh, and I was then, talking about the Choba album, but I think <laughs> But uh, I know it's not pronounced that way, you know. Some Russians are like, that. "That's not right. it," you know. <laughs> um, let's see, what was I going to ask you? Oh, I have a couple more cars questions, of course. Um, jumping to the fifth album, I've always wanted to know why "Heartbeat City" on the original vinyl single promo copy say from the album "Heartbreak City." What made the change from? Heartbreak to Heartbeat City. <laughs> I I think it was an error on on Electra's okay. part. I think I always they wanted to know that. Yeah, it. yeah I, as far as I know, it was always Heartbeat City. Okay. And and if like you said, it, it was on the first copy. It's like yeah, it was oh, on the promo I, copy, but not. Oh, it's like you know that's wrong. At I'm least they really bought it yeah. by the the, okay. the record. Another thing is um, the song Hello Again is pretty straightforward on the album, but then you went nuts with like Bugs Bunny uh, clips and yeah. things like that on the extended version. Oh, did you have anything to do with that? <laughs> I, I went down basically to observe it. I didn't, I, you know, I didn't have too much input. Uh, it was Arthur, Arthur, what's his name, who uh, was like the remix guy. Uh, 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 Arthur Baker, right? Oh, that might be right. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. But then he, the two like sort of engineers he had who were really like working the board were the uh, the Ward Algae Brothers, who both have become producers in their own right. Chris Ward Algae, and uh, boy, what's his brother's name? Oh. Uh, well, <laughs> I can't remember. Anyway, uh, uh, they were. Well, you were using Mutt Lang as a producer on that album, so you know. Yeah, know that... yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now that's that's a whole another somewhat complicated story <laughs> in itself. It was it was initially Rick's idea to get Mutt to do it, and and the reason Rick's reasoning was was that he liked the like drums and guitar sounds from uh, 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 what's the name? not Def Leppard, the other, the other band, uh, the, the, the guitar uh, uh, from Australia. Uh, again, I'm blanking out. ACDC? Uh, 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 yeah, ACDC yeah, yeah. or no? ACDC, exactly. Okay, okay. okay. I'm okay. looking it up. I'm helping you out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that. Uh, so so but but having since then 
had like sort of like discovered the Fairlight uh, music computer system that he used extensively on the Def, Rep, Def, Def Leppard. Leppard records. That's easy for me to say. Yeah. The Def Leppard records. Uh, Fred Zeppelin. <laughs> uh, like the Pyromanian, uh, the, the one before, you know, the, which is what he did, yeah, just previous to the Heartbeat City album. Uh, so, uh, so on Heartbeat City, you know, the drums are all programmed and, and like sampled as they are on those Def Leppard records as, you know, as well. And, and, and Rick kept getting, trying to get Mike, you know, can't, can't, you know, set up the drums and like, you know, mic them. And, and so then, you know, Mutt tried it and basically spent a week sort of moving mics around with David, you know, going out and banging. And then Mutt was like, ah, I can't get a sound on these drums. And then just went back to the fairway. <laughs> and, and now working with Mutt, it became a lot longer of a project than we had expected it to. We didn't really know. Uh, how long it was going to be. Uh, I think I, you know, it was, I went over in the spring with like a spring jacket to start working on the record and we didn't like come home until like Christmas. You know? <laughs> I mean, it turned out well, but was that like your white album, like a big friction album? <laughs> yeah, 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 it was, it was. Uh, and, uh, I I mean at the time I I was fascinated because I was like still into the you know the sequencers drum machines the technology of it and the fact that it was so precise you know I I was really drawn into that and uh and I and I still appreciate it you know the that whole like like craftwork style where everything is yeah. always in sync. It's right on the beat, you know, no, you know, you don't go off the beat, you know, it's like right, right there. It's like, right. snap on the <laughs> you know, the bass is always perfectly in sync with the bass drum and this, you know, uh, and, and Mutt spent a lot of time, you know, moving things around in milliseconds, like, that part sounds slightly early to me. And he would like move it around and like shift it back two milliseconds. And then especially like when we were doing backing vocals, he really would like spend so much time moving those around. And, and we would like sing, sing all the backing vocals, say on one chorus. And then he would, uh, you know, like you fly him into the, other choruses so you only have to sing it once you don't have to re-sing it on the second and third chorus you'll sing it on the first chorus and then he'll copy it fly it <laughs> like get a nut you know have all the backing vocals on one tape machine the other tape machine with the music here and you you know you have to sync them up and then he, he spent so much time on you know oh that one's late that one's early that one's late uh <laughs> Just days and days, you know, it was like the, you know, I used to joke there was no detail so small that Mutt wouldn't happily spend days working on it. 
And he was just like such, and it drove Rick crazy for one thing, you know, finally, you know, after not getting, you know, like, especially I think like the live drums he was kind of hoping for yeah. in the first place, uh, you know, and then the whole like long, taking a long time to finish the record uh, it's really got on Rick's nerves. Uh, <laughs> you know, there was so much time in between, you know, sometimes uh, other band members would just go on side trips. Like <laughs> ben, ben would go to Paris for a few days because, you know, he wasn't singing or something or playing bass, so Oh, you know, I'm just going to go somewhere for a few days and then I'll be back. And, uh, you know, I don't, I, 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 one thing that I do say to Mutt's credit is I, I felt like he really like made me raise my level of expectations. Uh, like I thought I was pretty, I thought I was, you know, fairly, you know, precise, you know, playing something. But I remember like the first time I started playing the keyboard part with him, it was mm, not quite. And then, you know, mm, a little early, you know, mm, that one's a little late, you know. And then, you know, it really made me focus on preciseness, <laughs> you know, for better or for worse. Some, some people in the band took to it worse than others. Uh, you know, I, I probably took to it that approach the most. Uh, although I, you know, in, in, I've, I've come to appreciate, like I said, it's still to this, you know, I've reverted back to the first album being uh, my favorite cars album. And that was the most organic one. So, mm -hmm. My personal is I like the first and the fifth, the one we're talking about. Uh -huh, but I, uh -huh. I, I, knew, I understood, even at the time, it was a difficult album. Is what happened on Heartbeat City what inevitably led to the breakup after Door to Door at that time? The next yeah, well, that? Door to Door was like an unfocused follow-up. <laughs> we didn't have an outside producer on it. it, it, it I, I'm, I don't yeah, for me, it was just an unpleasant experience. Yeah. Rick and Ben really weren't getting along at the time. Mm -hmm. It was, it was, uh, it, 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 yeah, it just, it, it was our, right. it was the least of our efforts. Now, when you got together many years later in 2011, I mean, was that a happier experience at that point? It was a happier experience, okay. but it was also uh, uh for me, ultimately, an unsatisfying experience, I would say. Uh, well, first of all, it was bittersweet not having been there. Right. You know, so so uh, without Ben. So it, that was already uh, one piece of the cars that was missing. Uh, uh, and then after, after doing the record, we did really only a handful of shows. I think we did 14 shows. Uh, so we basically quit 
once we had just started up again. Yeah. And uh, that was that was from Rick's end. He just didn't want to do any more shows. Uh, of course, now Rick's so, gone too. I mean, the yeah, inevitable yeah. question is, um, uh, you and Elliot are still around, and Dave and uh, Todd Rundgren's still around. Is there a chance for a new Cars reunion? <laughs> I, 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 I think it's. I think that's it's never so. going to happen. Okay, I just had to ask. I, mean, yeah, I was no, always curious yeah. about that little no, venture into no, the no, new Cars. I, yeah, yeah oh, I. I uh, that's a whole other funny story, but no. <laughs> but but not that I want to go into it particularly. No, but we don't. One to. thing I I I. But after that, I ended up working off and on with Todd for like fifteen years. So, uh, so. So not hard to. It, it, there, was, it was it was you know, and and Todd was always one of my heroes. Uh, musically he was you know so that was that was a plus yeah 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 i mean it's it's i feel like i have been so lucky that i've gotten to work with a lot of my heroes Mm -hmm. uh you know todd paul mccartney uh uh i I could (laughs) stop there (laughs) and be happy (laughs) <laughs> and Howard and Howard and Mark. And yes. Howard and Mark, of course. No, I, love I didn't want to ask this earlier, so, you know, and I was going to bring it back anyway to wrap it up with the turtles here. Um, and I appreciate you going through the car's history, however briefly we're doing it. Um, uh, with Mark and Howard, I know uh, we, we, Charles and I interviewed Andy Kahn, who played keyboards in the West Coast version. Right, right. And he was saying, you know, that he had to have a big repertoire in his uh mind you know so when they'd say hey let's talk about the monkeys and suddenly they go into daydream believer or something or they'd oh, say uh, mention bruce springsteen and suddenly they're going into hungry heart or something you know did right, you have right. that ability to just change with the flow when they had that uh in not, the shows? Not, not to that degree hmm. that's fine <laughs> we did no so it's more straightforward on your shows. You just played the hits, yeah. and maybe they had some spoken comedy and stuff between things. Yeah, okay. yeah, they did. And and uh, I'm trying to think of exactly what what song. Now I'm blanking out again. Well, I know you said they did Peaches and Regalia, so you oh yeah, yeah, and then. Uh, probably maybe some other Zappa ones. I know back in the day they would do parodies of like Jumpin' Jack Flash and My Sweet Lord. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and well, sometimes... And bang a gong, get do, it on. <laughs> oh, the, the, one, the one that we would do sometimes was Nicky Hoy, uh, the, the Hawaiian... You think we're diving for gold. We know we're diving for pearls. You think we're diving for pearls. We know we're diving for love. <laughs> uh, but during the course of that song, uh, they go into like a whole like, you know, shtick talk. And, and they would parody like uh, little bits of like Joni Mitchell, uh, and and uh, uh, 
Bruce Springsteen. Right. They would go into uh, they would go into like it like it was Bruce Springsteen song, you know. He, you know, with the. Well, I know they did actually. Flo and Eddie did sing backups on "Hungry Hearts" the song, Hungry. and and "Bang a Gong," get a get it on with T Rex yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. So, yeah. so they they had their own repertoire. <laughs> I've heard that they did that way back, even before Zappa days, that they would just kind of segue into something else arbitrarily, and it was, you know, even in the '60s version of the Turtles, they'd do that. Yeah, and another uh, uh, cross pollination of my influences is they they did the backing vocals on the psychedelic furs album that has love my way on it uh, 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 which todd produced <laughs> no backing vocals on any cars albums <laughs> you didn't you didn't uh, do any recording with Flo and eddie there's no release stuff that you're on no it was all live stuff then, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And um, just have to ask this, did you ever work with, I know this isn't flowing any, but did you ever work with Ringo over the years? I don't know of any instances. No, no. Not even a, a tour with him, you know, he has his all-star band. Or no, all-star. I, <laughs> I got, I was, Todd introduced me to Ringo, however. At least you met him. And yeah. when, at, the Ringo show when because Todd was playing in his band and uh, uh, so at one of the Boston shows he was like you would be want to come to the Ringo show yeah I already had tickets you know before Todd asked me if I wanted to you know and I said I've already got tickets but you know how you know you would be a great Ringo all-star band member yeah Ringo, call him up. Call this man up. Yeah, <laughs> he can do cars hits on stage with you. <laughs> I think you know the uh, I didn't sing the hits though. That's my that's mm -hmm. my uh, yeah. That's what's um, going against me in that regard. Um, did you see the Beatles in concert back in the day? Yes, yes, nineteen sixty four, September thirteenth uh, at the Baltimore Civic Center. Uh, yeah. And outside of that, did you meet George or John at any point? No. Oh, okay. No. I read it. I read John mentioned the cars in one of his last interviews where he's he's talking about the song starting over that had just come out on 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 uh you know his last record. And and uh he was describing it as like as like a fifties song with with like a modern slant to it. And he and then he mentioned Hungry Heart by Springsteen and Touch and Go by yeah. the car. Yeah, that was on Panorama. Yeah. yeah. That, that were like fifties, but you know, he said they're you know, they're fifties songs. You know, but with like a modern, like you know, production edge or something. You know, he was actually spot on at that time because there was a '50s influence, like Clean Head. Uh, what's that song? Uh, big hit at that time. Uh, and then you had Shake It Up in '81. It's very '50s influence yeah, yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, 
you know, so it was around, but, you know, it was with, yeah, of course, with more modern 70s, early 80s techniques and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah. So I'm out of questions. I don't know, Charles, do you have any questions? Uh, <laughs> did, did you see Get Back? Did you see the Beatles? Uh, yeah, okay. I, I have yet to see it. I, You'll you love know, it. <laughs> surprisingly, but because yeah, I don't, only because I don't have Disney Plus. Yeah. Uh, and, and I know a lot of people who are just signing up, you know, to watch it. And then they say, oh, I'll just quit after a month. And, but, uh, uh, but I, I'll see it. I'll see it soon. I'll, cool. I'll cool. Oh, the Queen song I'm thinking of is Crazy Little Thing Crazy Called little Love. Thing called yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a very 50s oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Rockabilly, 50s <laughs> yeah. sounding. And that all came out but around the same just, time, you know? <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. That's and then, one. of course, oh, Lennon also uh, cited B-52s, and they kind of had that 50s influence oh, with the I Rock know. Lobster and stuff, even though he was saying more for Yoko and stuff. But right, still, right, right, right. Yeah. That's right, that's right. <laughs> I know. But anyway, right. <laughs> that connection a couple of times with the B right. Yoko. So, um, wrapping up here, um, what are you currently doing? Are you recording any albums, going on tour, writing books, uh, watching TV shows? <laughs> what are you doing? In well, I don't know. I'm sort of like sorting through what I do have, and and and. Uh, you know, kind of sorting through some, some, still some like cars backlog of uh, either you know alternate takes of things or 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 outtakes or or live performances. Uh, there was so never a live. There was never a live Cars album. <laughs> so we might. So we might have a. Cars it's, anthology or some future release? It's 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 some it's it's within the realm of possibilities. Yeah. Cool, that would be amazing. That would I be know great. in recent times yeah. you put out the original albums with extra tracks, so I really appreciated that. That was great. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who makes that call? Who decides? Well, that's a that's a good question because it's a little in. <laughs> I mean, it because like you say, it it it's sort of. David and Elliot and myself, mm -hmm. uh, but there's now there's, there's Rick's estate, there's Ben's estate, uh, you know. So we're still partners, mm -hmm. uh, and 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 so I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, but you know, once once you know, I'm sure. <laughs> if it's meant to be, right? If it's meant to be, yeah. we'll see. Yeah. If I, I think if you have any um, push, we'll eventually see it. I think, you know, I know you carry the torch for the band so well. And, you know, you've been a spokesperson for the cars and, and for, you know, it, it's you're a star, but you're a fan at the same time. And that, yeah. that's that makes you very special to us. Well, thanks. I mean, I was, you know, I just sort of say I was I was a lucky guy. <laughs> <laughs> Very talented, lucky guy, a very great musician. The world is better for your work. <laughs> I want to thank you for all the times you've been, you know, so generous to me with, uh, you know, contributing to my book and coming to conventions. And we had a few memorial uh, videos that you contributed oh. to when we lost Peter Tork and all that. So thank you for being there for me. And, you know, thank you for being on the show. And I'll let Mark close. But that was my personal thank you, Greg. 
Well, thanks, Charles. Thanks. Yeah, and and uh, my apologies if I'm not quick to answer my emails sometimes. <laughs> it's all hey, good. I get here now. It's my ADD. I just like I'm what what. <laughs> <laughs> All, All yours, right. Mark. <laughs> On that note, uh, we'll wrap it up. And I appreciate uh, both Greg Hawks and Charles Rosney for being here with me today on the Fun Ideas Podcast. Okay, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Greg Hawks and Charles F. Rosney, for being my special guests. Remember, you can always watch the video version of this episode on YouTube. Episode number 147 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas Podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2022. Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you and good night.